What are you afraid of? Scared you go there and find out that he doesn't love you anymore, honey. You can't control that. The only thing you can control is how you feel. Not how you feel, but how you deal with what you feel that is real. You've got to relax, relate, and release into reality. What was that like, being in therapy? Uh, Were you, what did you talk about that you had never acknowledged to yourself or talked talk? I grew so much from the experience. But I think the most important thing I got is that everything is connected. I mean, if I have a problem, I usually just go to church, give me some Jesus, <laughs> and I'm cool. All right, welcome back to another episode of Black in Therapy, where we are discovering our journeys, dismantling our myths, and declaring our truths. It's Sarah Ashley here with my dope co-host. What's up, y'all? Donna here. And we have a special guest with us, Cherry Gregg, my big sis, is in the building. Say what's up to the folk. Hey, everybody. How y'all doing? <laughs> so before we start, we know we get in our feelings check. So sis, how you feeling today? So today I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, okay. per usual, mm -hmm. um, but I'm feeling okay. Feeling okay. Not as janky as I felt before, but okay. a little bit overwhelmed, but I'm okay. How you doing? Um, I'm tired. I don't know. Like yesterday was a lot, so I feel like I'm tired. I'm trying to bounce back and yeah, so a little slow. It was like I was just moving super slow this morning. Like I couldn't get it together. Um, how you feeling, Sherry? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I had a stressful morning, like a lot of meetings back to back, but going outside and having the sun in my face, being able to put some lipstick on in the real world, <laughs> you know, I felt good. So Cherry motivates me every morning. She doesn't notice when she be posting. It'd be like four o'clock in the morning, maybe. She's on, she's on the bike. She's exercising, getting it in. She's like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, let me get up the bed. Let me get up and do something. 4 a.m. I might be over-exaggerating. No, was it for you? No, I wake up at 4. And my spirit just kept waking me up. And I think it was like maybe six weeks ago, I just decided to lean in instead of trying to go back to sleep and then feeling even more exhausted. Um, so I just get up and I do my Bible study in the morning. I do my meditation and then I get on my Peloton and I be right. <laughs> Peloton is that thing now. Everybody is so, yeah. on It makes you happy. You know, plus I gained COVID-19. <laughs> so I got five. I got 14 more to go. That's what I say. Like, that shirt don't fit. I'm like, I know she be working out, so she probably gets it. It's coming this. off. I, when I dropped that five, I was like, <laughs> thank you. 14 more to go. And I'm telling y'all, June 21st. Okay, that's the goal? That's the goal. All right. It's going to be gone. We talk about putting dates on goals. <laughs> yes. So I can manifest. Mm -hmm. um, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right, let's talk some current events. Uh, the so we haven't done a show in about two weeks. Um, it'll probably be the third week by the time this this particular show airs. But I think we didn't do a show because we had to adjust. Mm -hmm. It was a lot going on. You got a new job, well, yeah. an additional job. Uh, I just, you know, it was like kind of coming down off of that high of passing the test. It was like trying to come back down from like all that anxiety. It takes a while to come back down from anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't do a show for two weeks because we just had to adjust. And I think it's important that we use that time to really lean into your point of what's, what were you feeling? Right. And when things are going, because I, I know the first time we didn't record, I was, I forgot, it, it was, it was a combination of like how I was feeling 
and just like, you know, how the podcast was going, what we wanted to do. Like, we have so many more things we want to roll out for the podcast and stuff. So I felt like we had some time to like dedicate because sometimes recording every weekend and putting stuff out can be a little bit much, mm-hmm. especially when we have so much going on. I don't know how you manage studying, passing, podcasting and all that. God, I'll be looking back like, oh, that was God. You did it. <laughs> But yeah, so one thing I did want to talk about was the Oscars, because I thought it was an important segment of the Oscars. I, it it kind of brought me joy. Like, when you think about that black joy, even though it wasn't all black people, but it kind of brought me that black joy. And we know Cherry is from D.C., so there was a part of the um, Oscars where they were doing, like, um, Questlove was actually DJing, so I thought that was, he was like the MD, really, right? He really was. Um, so I thought that was dope. You know who Questlove is? Mm-hmm. Who? I mean, if I saw a picture of him, I probably would know. <laughs> Okay. Ain't he a part of the, um... Say it. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Okay. The legendary... Oh, right, I know. Okay. <laughs> um, so, he was, they were doing this thing where they would pick a song, he would play a song, and they would tell him if it was nominated for one, or if it even got nominated, period, right? Mm-hmm. For and, Oscar. It was like a trivia. Yeah, it was yeah. a trivia. So, they played doing the butt. Mm-hmm. And they asked Glenn Close... Glenn Close is um, Corella Deville. I know who Glenn Close is. Okay. 24 years old, too. Right. Yeah, I did see a picture of her. And she started running it down who it was or whatever. And, like, part of me was like, is this script there? Or does she really know? Because she might just know. Um, but she actually did the dance, oh, too. Wow. So, like, that was, like, dope. How did it feel being from D.C. and seeing it? I was like, it gave me joy. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, being a D.C. native, Go-Go is our thing. And people don't really understand Go-Go. But Philly understands Go-Go. Mm-hmm. That's why we're like sisters <laughs> and brothers or whatever. But like to see her do that and then not say sugar bear, but say sugar bear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and shout out to I was like, oh, that girl man. You you know what? And it just took me back. I was like, I really, um, I really was very, very impressed by her, you know, knowing that. That made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a boring moment. You could tell they was trying to, because they tried some new format. Yeah. So it definitely like woke, woke us up. Right, 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 right. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that's one current event I want to talk about. And since we have uh, Cherry here, we can go back a couple of weeks when, uh, what's the girl from Real Housewives of Potomac? Um, the younger one. When she said the thing about Philly, about John. Oh, yeah, I tweeted. That John, I, I was like, look at Cherry tweeting that. Um, she had mentioned like John being a DC word. Who said that? Candace. Her name is Candace from oh, Real Housewives of Potomac. And Philly went in. Like, <laughs> as Philly always does. Philly went in on her. And she, like, and she kind of retracted it a little bit. Like, well, maybe I was wrong. But it's like, sis, mm-hmm. whoever from DC said it had to hear it from Philly. Like, I don't even hear people. I mean, not that I know a bunch of people from DC, but I don't ever hear other people say joint. We yeah. don't. We say joint. Uh, oh, you wanted that joint? Ah, oh, okay. Go down there, you know. But, but you don't call a person the, a joint. We no. We can so can a joint be a name like a joint is a name? A joint is like a place. It's a thing. It's okay. typically not a person unless you know you. That's your joint. Oh, okay. But like, that's <laughs> you. Like that type of thing. But we don't use John. Like we wouldn't. I wouldn't be like I'm a DC joint. Like okay. You know what I mean? Like, okay. They were like I'm a Philly joint. Okay. It's, it's, it's a little bit different. Okay. But I felt like I had to. I was like. <laughs> You wrong. <laughs> and I didn't even realize it was her at first. I thought it was just some random like person. Was either. And then I'm like, oh, this is Candace from Potomac. Like, what are you talking about? 
Because I wondered why so many people retweeted or mm-hmm. liked it. I was like, who, who is she? <laughs> I didn't know who right. she was. I right. just was trying to, you know, help the culture. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. She finally got it together. Did she um, apologize? Because, you know, people got to apologize. I don't think she there. apologized. She, like, oh, she didn't, like, say she was wrong. No, I think she was just like, okay, well, I guess, yeah, pretty much like I was wrong, but not like, oh, I am so, like, it wasn't. Yeah, not a big apology. And a bunch of DC people living in Philly, several of us responded. We was like, gotta respect our Mm -hmm. new home here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I love DMV, but get it right. (laughs) You can't mess that up. Why y'all so sensitive? (laughs) Philly is like, I don't think we sensitive, I think we're defensive. Like, I don't even think we're like, like, right, right, ready to go. Right, ready. On 10 right. every the time. Against the world. The li- <laughs> yes. yes. Philly versus everybody. Somebody told me yesterday, like, Philly people are so rude. And I'm like, I mean. We are rude. Eve did say, uh, what? what'd she say in the song? Attitude rude. That's the Philly and I, whatever song yeah. it is. But no, well, for real. Philly people love you. They love you. Mm-hmm. And they'll defend you. Mm-hmm. But until they know you and figure you out, like, you get the, you get the cold shoulder. Like, I know I got it for years. <laughs> But Philly's a tough place, yeah. Like, you sure you know? People think I went to high school with them. They're like, yo, did you go to Oliver? So that's a compliment, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you blended so. in. All right, last um, current event is that our president made his first um, address to Congress the other day. What'd you think? Um, I was tuning in now. Okay. Um, I thought it's ambitious. Um, I can't imagine Republicans agreeing to mm-hmm. most of what he said, even though it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, did I say expensive? That was the it issue. It really, really expensive. Yeah. And I talked to my dad, and my dad was like, he calls me sweetie, sweet, sweetie, sweet. <laughs> what you think about that? It sounds expensive. I was like, yeah, but right. it's like trillion, you mm-hmm. six trillion total when you add in the American Rescue Plan. It sounds a little steep yeah. for me. I'm like, who gonna pay for this though? So that's what Megan McCain said the next day I watched the view and she was just like, he's the most pro- he's on the verge of being the most progressive president ever, and it's gonna be costly. But who's to your point, who's paying for it? And I'm not rich people. I, I get it. Six hundred mm-hmm. folk split up like six trillion. <laughs> that sounds bad. I feel like we should get at least two of that six for the for the people, for the culture. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're gonna let that go. Like, yeah, I it's gonna be hard. It. It's gonna be a hard fight. But I mean, it sounds what he wants sounds good. So we'll see. I don't know. He's gonna get something. Maybe he'll get three trillion. Yeah. Versus, you know, six. We'll see. He's definitely gonna be pushing it though. So we'll see. We'll see. It, it felt, how did it feel for you when you saw, and, and you can answer this too. I know you didn't probably see it when it was happening, but to see Vice President Harris and, and then, um, can't think of her name right now. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi to be behind him. Like that first time it was two women. So what did that feel like for you? Or did it, it felt, resonate? It felt really good. Um, I mean, they did an elbow bump mm-hmm. and I was just like, yo, that's dope. Like this is America. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel like we're going in a good direction. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are getting a little bit bruised because things are changing and it's changing really, really fast for a lot of people. But I think it's about time. Mm-hmm. I think so too. What do you think about that first time, two women? I mean, I definitely think it's, it's progress. You know, I like to see the positive and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I see the, the repercussions too. I see people 
I can think of people looking at it like just angry. Can you just imagine? We sitting there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know so many people just angry at it. Like, yeah, somebody already came at them doing it. That whole stupid stuff. They're going to find something to talk about. But I say find the money. Like, all right, we already, what does it mean? What, is, what does it that mean? Okay, find the money. I don't care what y'all doing. Make it. The question is, do you ram it through while you got while you in control mm-hmm. and let people be mad, or do you act more cautious and then navigate it through? Right, and then people lose out because what he's what he wants to happen is is, is helpful. Yeah, so we'll see. All right, so let's jump into our first segment. I got a story to tell. Born and raised, kind of came up in Northeast D.C. Um, Is it like the hood, middle class? It's kind of like the hood. Okay. Um, my mom had me, my mom was married at 17 and got married uh, married to my dad at 17, had me at 19. Mm-hmm. Um, she, their house burned down when she was 15. So my grandmother was in the hospital, so she was homeless for a few years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had a baby at 19. Um, was a high school dropout. Mm -hmm. So we lived in the hood. You know, my dad, um, you know, was worked for one of the apartment complexes. Mm -hmm. And so we, he got a discount on the rent. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where we lived. Um, went to public school. Um, you know, but my mom, she, my grandmother was a teacher. So Mm -hmm. my mom kind of grew up like you read books you know, she had us in the Bluebirds, which is like a nature group in the urban community. Okay. <laughs> so we went into the Potomac River, you know, looking at things. Mm-hmm. And so she always kept us really uh, busy. Um, and then in the 80s, you know, like, and this was the 80s, should I say, in the late 80s, early 90s, crack. So, like, when I was in the fourth grade, it was like, we moving. We moved to Maryland because um, there were shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, my neighborhood in Landover was on City Under Siege. There used to be the show in the late 80s, early 90s, where it was like all these drug busts. Mm-hmm. You know, the cops was big and they would, you know, bust mm-hmm. the neighborhood. Um, I mean, it was it was pretty bad. And so that's kind of how I grew up. But um, we literally lived on a line where I got bus to school. Because we lived one building over where if you right. live on one side, you get bus right. to the white school. And if you lived on the other side, you went to the neighborhood school. So actually, me and my brothers, we went to a really amazing school. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas my friends who lived two buildings down, they was always like, you know, not good books and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I got really lucky. Um, then we moved, to, my parents got divorced. We moved to Maryland. And my grandmother got us in Catholic school. So like I went to eight, seventh to eighth grade in Catholic school excelled with a great high school, public school, went to college at Boston University, mm-hmm. decided to go to law school, but I always wanted to be a journalist from the time I was like 12. Okay. And we went on a little field trip and we went down to see like the broadcast house, Washington Broadcast House. And when I tell you I went into the control room <laughs> and I was like, yo, this is what I'm going to do. And I like literally made up my mind at like 12. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's just like stuff would come to me. Um, like, you know, my mom got me in this program where I produced my first show when I was 13. Oh, wow. um, then I got into a high school program. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Because we were talking about this yesterday, but then we also talked about like 
those choices that our parents make for us and then also like the opportunities that we get school-wise like how how much do you think that plays a role in like success or you think about kids that don't have that advantage like how do you what do you think I, about that I think education was key like mm-hmm. I learned how to read when I was three okay because my grandmother um was a teacher mm-hmm. my mom was a teenage mom so she just took us so my mom could work mm-hmm and go back to school at night, right? Okay. Because my grandma was like, you need to go get your high school diploma. So she kept me for my first five years. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to read everything. My grandmother was the person who basically experienced all my milestones mm-hmm. when my mom was going back to get her education. Right, right. But I think that that foundation, like I was always excelling in school. Like I read everything I could read. And my family was like, you could read anything you want mm-hmm. as long as you read. So I was reading this might be a little bit it was like and my grandmother used to have this room with books from the floor to the ceiling okay and she actually had a little stool you go on and get the books so i was reading books on the top shelf. <laughs> so i can get the top shelf books you know what i mean and she put those you're not supposed mm-hmm. to read so i feel like that reading mm-hmm. um my grandmother was my first voice coach she okay. used to write plays and have me be the narrator. So now I read the news, right? <laughs> but like she used to have me in the kitchen, standing up straight, enunciating. Mm-hmm. And so all of those little things, you, as you grow up, you realize it all kind of falls in line. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I do. I had excellent education, even though it was public school for the most part, Catholic school and then public school. Mm-hmm. So, and, and my teachers were amazing. I had black teachers, you know, because we lived in Prince George's County. Okay. Um, from middle school on, and it's a black county. I mean, all black women running it right now. Shout out to all the sisters in PG, aka uh, Pretty Girl County, out there <laughs> killing the game. But like, you know, have I had a black? You know, my history teacher was a black man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of my favorite teachers. Um, and I gotta say, the white I had a white teacher that actually took us to the broadcast, but she was cool. You know what I mean? And I went. I grew up with 80, 86% of my classmates were African-American. That's dope. So you, it's like a, you know, and every and their parents were doctors, and it wasn't like a thing. Mm-hmm. Even though we didn't have money, my friends, mm-hmm. like, we were all different um, socioeconomic classes, and we still hung together based on, like, what our interests were. So, so yeah, it was cool. And all my friends went to college. Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know, is doing well in life. Um, one of my high school friends she's like a physical therapist with a red skin okay you know I mean? like, okay. <laughs> like everybody you know one guy's a chef mm-hmm. like another guy's an engineer i'm a journalist right like i think what you had down there is what i want to see in philly schools because sometimes yeah. i feel like either you go to a good school or you don't mm-hmm. either you go to a good public school or you go to a campus school or you kind of like are always playing catch up and you can tell by like the way we talk the way you know like my friends that didn't go to a school, like my parents sent me to school downtown mm. in Center City and they had to fight for that. And then I remember people not wanting me to be in that school and fi- trying to find ways to get us kicked out of that school. But I know friends that went to neighborhood schools and it, we're just not the same. And not that I'm better, but it's like you can just tell that that education is different. But I want, for me, I would like all Philly public schools to be the same across the board where you don't, like you said, your friend two buildings down didn't have the good books. Like that's how it is in Philly. Yeah. And it's a difference it's so of a zip code, like, and it's right. and it's unfortunate because it's like, why don't you have why we had to fight to get the education we got, but why couldn't the people that didn't have those advocates on my block get the same education? And you ask yourself, like, 
you know, my mom, again, knew how to work the system. Mm-hmm. Like, she knew what she didn't know and would find people who knew. Mm-hmm. And so I got to credit my mom. Like, my mom, my mother is dope. Like, okay. first of all, if y'all ever meet my mom, Mary. You be like, yo, Miss Mary. Like, you <laughs> love my mom. And she might make you cry, like, because she got away with people. Like, she know what, exactly what you want and she'll touch it in your spirit. Next thing you know, you be manifesting. I'm telling y'all. I'm going to have to meet Miss Mary. You're going to have to meet Miss Mary. Like, and she's just. She's the most one of the most thoughtful, best gift gift givers mm-hmm. in life. Okay. And she's just a wonderful person. And like she legit, like when she had us, me and my two brothers, she like focused on our well-being. It mm-hmm. was like, we're gonna do whatever we need to do to make sure y'all are successful. And all of us are doing good in life. That's what's you know what I mean? That's amazing. So, yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, I would definitely like to see more of that in, in Philly. And just I think also and I'm not sure how it is in D.C., but I think a lot of parents in Philly, like, they don't have the opportunity to, they have to work. And, you know, people, maybe they don't have, like, a grandma like you had, but if a parent is at work because they got to, you know, I think it's a system of it. It's not just the education piece. It's the fact that people don't, you know, mom, mothers don't make money. So that yeah. if the parents aren't making any money, they got to work extra so they can't give to the kids. And then, the kid, you know, the kids are here. And it's like... You know, they not making it to meetings and, and going to report card conference. You know, I feel like it's a system and then the schools are bad. But then it's just like if the schools also need parent engagement, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like a whole that cycle. cycle it's yeah. like, then it become a neighborhood of a school that's horrible or that's not great. But then it's like the parents don't have any other options because they literally can't even dedicate the time because they got to work. It's just like a horrible like. My system. mom, when we moved from D.C., my mom moved us into a place next door to my aunt. So we legit live next door to my aunt. Right. So my I had two my cousins mm-hmm. and then my mom had three kids and somebody was always mm-hmm. on the you village. Know what I mean? Right. Like and then my grandma lived within, I guess, you know, walking distance two, three miles away. Mm-hmm. So somebody was always around. And then my uncle lived not too far away. And so we had other cousins, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like somebody was home. Right. You was gonna get caught. Right, right. <laughs> that village. You was gonna get caught. And right. so I'm blessed because I never, you know, because and my mom was crazy. Like she's sweet now and everything, <laughs> but my mom's was crazy, mm-hmm. like crazy. If she she first of all, I couldn't wear makeup because I was tall, so she was just like, <laughs> "What you won't be what doing?" You want? And if anybody looked at me, she be like, "She is twelve years." Because <laughs> my mom suffered sexual assault as a young woman, like a young girl, and so she she was like a helicopter. She was not letting nobody mess with me. So I give my mom like. Props. I used to think she was crazy, but I feel like now you see, like I, I thought she was crazy, mm-hmm. but now I see I'm grateful. Yeah, and even being a social worker, I was only a social worker for a year because I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't. But like I just it to Tiamat's point, like you you become that because you see the smallest opportunity that somebody has to take advantage and they do that. So yeah, I'm I don't even know how many when I have kids because I'm like, where you going? Who who there? Like what? Like I'm. Because it yeah. can happen in a moment. A moment. It can happen in a right. moment. My mom will see it. And she like that with her grandkids now. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, no, you need to come over here by me. Exactly. Who is that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she wild. Right. She wild. So you went to Boston College. University. University. Mm-hmm. And then, you, but you always knew you wanted to do this journalism, but you went to law school. So where, where did that come in? Look, I went to BU when I tell you I was traumatized okay. by the racism there. Okay. Um... I, it was such a shock to my system going growing up in blackity black 
PG and Black be Black Northeast DC. My mom, I didn't even, we didn't even have the money for me to do a college tour, really. They gave me money. So I was like, yo, full scholarship mm-hmm. to BU. My first trip there was freshman weekend. Oh, wow. And so I had never seen, I'd never been to Boston. Mm-hmm. So my mom, we went on a night train. Mm-hmm. Slept on, I was like, sleeping on the train. It was great. And then I went up there. It was like, all oh, these white people. And then my mom, like, left. And I was just, I had white roommates. Asian, I never really knew about Asian. No offense to Asian. No, right, right, right. But I was just like, it was such a shock mm-hmm. to my physical system. Um, being around so many different people that didn't look like me, it was also a shock being so far away because I had really never been anywhere. Um, and you come from a tight knit family where it's like, yeah, and, and having to do well. My scholarship required that I keep a 3.15 GPA. And it was just a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it was cold. <laughs> like, Boston was cold as a mud. Like, it, it snowed, like, and they still expected you to go to school. Mm-hmm. It's like, I looked out the window, I was like, sweet, got class. They was like, nah, you got, like, class. you got class. So it was a lot. It was like a shock to my system and I think I struggled initially mm-hmm. um, and I actually had that was the first time I ever really got depressed um, like I went through a real like four year and a half like I was really really depressed and somehow some way I made it through did my work kept my scholarship um, and then my brother suffered some trauma in college and my mom had to put all her energy into him and like all her money into him. So then I had to get jobs. I worked three jobs in college. Mm, wow. And still had to maintain a GPA. And still had to maintain a GPA. So I decided, like, I can't be no journalist, dog. They need like 16 to pay. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to law school, man. I heard they make a hundred. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm about to do. So my junior year, when I was working all them jobs, mm-hmm. and I was working at Hale and Door, a law firm, overnight making copies. And that's when I found the out crime, when I yeah. made, yo. I was like, oh, <laughs> I I'm about to do this. So mm-hmm. I joined a little diversity law, mm-hmm. pre-law, started making friends. Next thing you know, went to Howard. This time I visited the school, mm-hmm. learned from previous. Right. And I was like, I can't deal with all, I, I need black people. Mm-hmm. And Howard was like, it was like, I don't know, it was like healing. That's how you know I feel about That's how you feel about Lincoln. Like, I just feel like I wanted to be around black people. Like, I went to Look, Bloomsburg, then I went to Lancaster Bible College. Like, okay. <laughs> it's to not have to worry about racism um, and to study and to not have to worry about people. Because people literally, like, we were studying Ebonics. And my professor said, I want you, the only black person, you do the paper about Ebonics. I said, well, <laughs> Will you tell me in front of everybody that I don't like body bonics? You know, and I I mean and, and the white kids I work with, they wouldn't show up to the we was in the four study groups. They'd be like, oh, you ain't get the message. I'm like, this is the time we said, oh, we we done. It was like little microaggressions that caused the stress. Mm-hmm. And so going to Howard with all those beautiful black people yes. that was super smart. Um, we used to have these white beater parties. White beater parties? Yeah, we had to wear a white beater and jeans or whatever. Like, that's, that was your outfit. You couldn't get in without it. <laughs> the walls would be dark blue from all the jeans. <laughs> 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 like, 
they um, be getting it in. Right, we right. Have black people in the dental school at Howard, people in the medical school, mm-hmm. all the black students from Georgetown Law. Like, what come order? What, yo. That's, Yo, that's let me tell you, it was lit. That's lit. Do I still go to Howard? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, go, go get your eyes. I got accepted for undergrad. I couldn't go, but you know, they also wanted to ruin church. I'm still trying to get back. It was, it was the bad. It was, it made up for the four years that I, I spent at BU. That's what's up. So, so how long was, was law school? Three years. Three years? Yeah. And okay. then I moved to Atlanta, got mm-hmm. a job at a dope firm down there. Started, I was working at intellectual property, working with artists and and tech people doing trademarks and copyrights and patent stuff. But I wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. And I got into this relationship. He lived in Philly. Okay. So he was like, yo, let's, I was like, you know what? I'm going to come to Philly. Oh, so you, okay. I knew they really liked me at my firm. And, you know, like, it's hard to leave when you're doing well. You know what I mean? When you're doing well at something, it's really, it's like, why are you going to leave? You're doing so great. Right. So I just used the move as an excuse to move closer to my goal. And when I got to Philly, I just started pursuing it. So there you go. And then I just quit quit my law firm job and did the daggone thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the relationship, No. You threw it in there. (laughs) We did get married. Okay. um, And we were married for a good chunk of years. Um, I mean, I you know, marriage is very strange. Whether you're not married or still married, (laughs) we live separately. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a really good dude. He's a civil rights lawyer uh, here in the city. Um, Super super smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, We met the first day um, at Howard. University okay. School of Law. See, it's about, we need to go I'm back to Howard. Howard. <laughs> really, we need to go meet somebody. That's where they at. <laughs> yeah, they, oh, they are. They are. I, we met the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my study buddy. Um, but he, we, I was like, yo, you don't study hard enough, dog. Like, we can't rock like that. We can drink, though. You know what I mean? Like, he became my drinking buddy. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, like, we celebrated his 22nd birthday together. Okay. Because you know? a lot of people come straight from undergrad. So you're real young and and you just living your life. So yeah, he was my he was my friend, and like he was one of the first people to believe that I could be a journalist. Okay, like I was like, yo, you know I'm gonna be a journalist one day. He was like, yo, bet I can see that. No, he's from New Hampshire, uh, but he came here to work in the DA's office. Okay, right after law school, and loved it, and just he liked blackness. He grew up in ways spaces. You know, New England, so we had that in common. And then he went to all HBCUs. That's what's up. And um, so, yeah. So, I mean, but you know, like, we we both think alike as far as, like, black people. I will tell you that Howard University makes you, they say you have to be a social engineer. Mm-hmm. Or you, if you're not a social engineer, they tell you you're a pariah on society. Right. And so they tell you, like, are you trying to make it better for your folk? Or are you taking are you a pariah? You take and take and take and so that probably informs like a lot of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I always like think about one moment um, when I was in law school. We had gone to a Mia Abu Jamal uh, protest mm-hmm. outside of the Supreme Court, and we cut common law mm-hmm. to be there. Mm-hmm. And my our professor, God rest his soul, Jay Clay Smith, cussed us out. I'm talking about. It was like a hundred students. Cut, cut, all cut, 
cussing <laughs> us out. Like, I felt like I got a whooping that day. And he basically said that we were there to use our minds, not our bodies for the movement. Mm. And that you need to play your part. And that it's, oh, you ain't got to be at a protest. Mm-hmm. Your job is to learn this daggone constitution so you can go in there and you can rewrite these laws and get our people out of prison. That is your job. Now think about it. Girl, I be crying like, every time I think about it. Like we was in class, like, like literally felt like we got whooped. And so ever since then, and like it's funny because he also told that same story. Like everybody who was there that day, that speech changed all of our lives. And all of all of us are mm-hmm. doing something. Like, and we all like down for the cause. And it's mm-hmm. like, you don't even gotta say it. And that's what HBCUs do. Like it it's I agree like on it. You know, everybody playing their part. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a journalist. Like, I don't got a march. You ain't going to see me holding no sign. Right. But you're going to tell the story. But you know I'm going to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be fair. And mm-hmm. I'm not going I'm to I'm find the truth for right. us. Right. You know that about me. You know? And I'm going to play my part. And, you know, you're a therapist. You're a counselor. Whatever. You play your part right. in the role. And when it's time, you do what you came to do. Right. And that's, that's what it is about. Like, and I think for us, that liberate part of, of what we're being taught in school and like not just liberating other people, mm-hmm. but also liberating ourselves and like that experience to you seeing your professor said that. But I think it, we can kind of liken it to Dr. Wiley that day talking about like no walls and ceilings mm-hmm. and like what we how our lives should be so that we can help other people. Right. And so to your point, yeah, I think that's what the HBCU like. They instill that into you. Like, what are you going to do for, for your community? What are you going to do for the people? And it don't have to be the same. Right. Everybody thinks, I got to be doing this. No, you don't. You know, we can liberate minds. And that's what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, play your position. Mm-hmm. Like, me getting arrested, me being viewed as partisan, being a part of all of that, that doesn't help. Exactly. Like, me doing what I do and being excellent at it is what helps. Mm-hmm. Right. And me being able to change the conversation and shine like like that's what I'm supposed to do. So that's what I do, you know. But that day, yo, like I yeah. still feel it. Like I feel like I'm like I can see him looking at us, and we was all we felt ashamed. Like I was like, yo, I never went to a protest. <laughs> we even got a bail fund. We was like this is how you know. Like, some of my friends got arrested. Yo, we put together. I put fifty dollars. <laughs> that's a lot when you're in school. Yeah, I put fifty on the on the bail fund. That's what's up though when we can look back and see like those journeys and like how we, you know, developed and how we got right. better and you know and it's that's the educational pieces. Like I feel like yeah. everybody because I mean I don't really remember nothing nobody no white teacher told me. Y'all got any? Mm-mm. I feel like everything always came from even just seeing, you know, a black teacher or seeing especially a male black teacher, um, seeing certain things or those speeches. They mm-hmm. definitely like resonate with us. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Wiley. <laughs> he make us cry. Well, maybe he didn't make us cry. <laughs> I don't think they even realize like the the lessons you won't remember. Right. right. I had it to is. tell him. I had to tell him. Like I told him when I passed my exam, I told him. I'm like, because he was like the first one of the first people I text when I passed. And I'm like, Dr. Wiley, you don't know what you said to me that day. Like, I will never like be the same. Like my life won't ever be the same. Mm-hmm. Because like you showed me something different. And you instilled it in me like every day. Like you I believe that now. So, yeah, I feel you on it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely, like, I think that defines everything I do as far as my work. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that, that, that's a defining moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
All right, you want to tell us anything else? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm proud of y'all. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the interview's not over. So okay. We got, we'll wrap it up. We got, we got, we going, I mean, I don't know how much time we got, but we can hit you at least for the next segment so you can chime in on this. And then if you got a roll, we can just edit it and peace out, piece together stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's it. I mean, being in Philly, I've been here 13 years now, you know, and it's become a home. Mm-hmm. Like, well, building Philly's going down. I know, but y'all want to take 10 years? 10 years <laughs> you had to break you in? But you don't know all the little connections. And I, I realized the other day, like, how many people I know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, just... You gotta be in the community. Like I just, I was starting at Fish Fries. It'd be like ten people. <laughs> I'd be like, "Hey y'all, what's up?" And they'd be like, you know. And, and over the years, ten years in journalism now, um, people remember that. They're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I remember meeting you like in 2013." I'd be mm-hmm. like, "I don't remember, but yo, came on up, you Mike." Because I always carry my mic in my purse. And then I would bring a camera sometimes too, you know. So it it's just been good. Like and Philly's like a town, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a black town. So it's my kind of town. Right. I love it. Exactly. All right, so I just want to get your opinion on the next segment. So let's jump into our next segment. Um, don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> don't, 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 don't believe the hype. <laughs> don't believe the hype. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about grief. And I don't want it to be heavy, but I want to talk about it from um, Lauren London's point of view. When she, did you watch her interview? When she was talking about getting through the grief of losing Nipsey Hussle and getting back to work. So she was saying like it was important for her to push through how she was curled up in a ball for a while. But then she wanted to push through more so for her children so that they wouldn't see, so that they wouldn't think grief looks like that. Um, But while I was watching it, I'm like, well, what does grief really look like? Like you can't really define grief. And I think that's our, you know, don't believe the hype segment because it's like, I think grief can look so different for so many different people. Right. And I think people, when they think about grieving, think it has to look one particular way and that's not true. Mm-hmm. Or they think they have to go on the cycles of grief and then once they get to the end of the cycles, then it'll be all over. When really you can be at the end and then go right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what's your thoughts on that? So grief is an interesting subject because again, I think when you live in a certain place, like, like grief is just... It, it can be, you know, we went through a pandemic, so maybe you didn't lose a loved one, but maybe you lost a job, or maybe you lost um, your house. Like, we're, we grieve things, too. We lost graduation. We missed mm-hmm. we miss commencement. We, we lost things. So, like, we grieve, too. So, and it's a process of, you know, the anger, the embarrassment. Sometimes we don't recognize that in ourselves. We just think we're grieving and we're sad, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes we don't even see the anger part of it. We don't even see the denial part of it. Like, no, this, like, it could, you know, the, the, um, or the embarrassment. I think sometimes people don't think about the embarrassment, especially when you're grieving something that you feel like you could have prevented and the, the blame and the shame. I think it's so many things. Like, that was just, you know, 10 mm-hmm. emotions in one that people don't realize that. Yes, you can feel all these ways. You can go through that. Um, and then you can go through it again. And you can go through it again. And you may have lost something 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's always going to be a process. Even if you don't call it grief. Because I think that sometimes, you know, being a therapist, we, don't, we say grief is nothing. But sometimes people don't like to say grief or say mm-hmm. that they're grieving. It seems a lot heavy for people. Um, but it's definitely always a process. I feel like you can grieve things people um, miss and, and I don't think it's a time limit on it and I think the biggest lie we tell people is like time heals all wounds mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. or like time will heal it. And it's just like, no, like it might make it easier or more acceptable, accepted, but it's like, it, I still feel this, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like to put a time limit on grief is not healthy either because who like people are like, oh, it's been a year. I should be fine. Like, why should you be fine? Just because it's been 12 months, like make that make sense for me. And I think people have that misconception that after a while I should be okay. So what's I your thoughts? Never okay. Okay. Um, I think depends on how big of a loss it is. You know. Um, you know. I know when. Um, you know, my relationship kind of like we separated. It was. It was. I was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't tell anybody because it's like very embarrassing. Um, you know, and it's like people. You know, expected to be a certain kind of way or whatever. Um, or expect you to be they, they see how you are they think you should feel this way or this should happen mm-hmm. um, but it, it takes time to get over yourself and sometimes you know I remember my parents divorced when I was 10 like they were they got back together when I was 24 mm-hmm. um, but my mom grieved for years like she literally would go to work come home and go to bed go to work come home go to bed mm-hmm. and that was her cycle for like three years I had to learn how to cook and do all these things because she was grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would go to work. <laughs> she paid her bills. Mm-hmm. But she was like, you don't have to make the chicken. Because mm-hmm. you're not. Yeah. Right? Until she got therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was going through mine, my mom was like, you need a therapist, girl. Because if you tell me this story one more time, <laughs> I'm <gonna> die, like, <laughs> if you tell me this <laughs> one more time and I think that's what grief is it's like you relive it in your mind you will relive the moment over and mm-hmm. over and over again could I have done more what should I have said could I have said something different if you lose a job you get fired you'll be grieving that job especially if you really like these mm-hmm. like well, what could I have done better or you know somebody passes you all like mm-hmm. you like hurt you know mm-hmm. what I mean like and and I think that's what grief is is like if you can break the cycle a little bit and not relive it constantly, it'll still hit you in waves because mm-hmm. there's still moments. No right. matter how many years you be like, hey, you know, and you feel some kind of guilt, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I even, my parents are back together, but, you know, I think, you know, my mom, like, that's just watching her grieve that, like, and I said to myself, I ain't never let that happen to me. <laughs> that's crazy. You know, it took her so long. I'm like, well, I don't understand why you're so upset. You know, even if it wasn't a good situation, you still have to allow yourself yourself the space um, to grieve. So, yeah, I just, I grieved a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to grieve my identity um, when I left the practice of law. Wow. You know, because there's certain things you get, you know, like people, you know, you you come into your career, there's certain things that that are assigned to your identity, right? Um, You know, like I'm... You know, Esquire, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm a member of the bar, you know, we, this is how I get treated. People mm-hmm. are like, wow, you know? And then you stop doing that thing and you don't get that anymore. You mm-hmm. have to grieve that. You're like, well, who am I? Mm-hmm. You know? That's, cr- um, that's, that's, that's good. And if I'm not, you know, this person, who am I? Mm-hmm. So that's grieving your identity. So it's so many things. That's, yeah. yeah. People, I don't think people think about grieving your identity. Yeah. I, um, I actually do got a client that's grieving an identity. Mm-hmm. that she used to have because it was a um for her specifically it was like an accident like say you can't do say you can't do something anymore wow you know like she right. can't do it physically she can't do it you can do law if you wanted to but she can't do it so grieving those identities of things mm-hmm. we used to be um 
what we used to can do. Mm-hmm. I can't like I can't even imagine. Especially mm-hmm. I worked in like um, years ago. I worked with people who had like physical disabilities. They grieved their identities a whole lot because, and it was so tied into the mental that they didn't get. But you know, once you're physically disabled, it's it's just a whole nother mm-hmm. you know ball game of things that you can't do. Yeah. So that's, I think that's even hard. as a woman, as you get older, um, you know. Like, you grieve certain things, you know? You talk to women of a certain age and, you know, because your beauty fades, mm-hmm. you know? And you talk to a woman in her 80s. Like, I interviewed so many different people and you look at their pictures and they were, like, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they're still beautiful, but they're 80s. Like, and people treat them different. Right. And they grew up for, like, all these years of their life. You know, there was a reaction just to their being. And that reaction is no more. Like, right. you grieve that, like, that youthfulness that mm-hmm. you had. Men the same way, that strength. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you you can't earn like you used to earn. You can't do the things you used to do. And so people grieve those identities. And it's really, it's sad. Right. And then people be like, no, but you had a great life, you know? But still. And you be like, dog, right. you know about what? I, I think for me, like... <laughs> When I think about it, for me, it's like kind of not necessarily grieving the years, but when I think about like being the age I am now, and it's like, should I, have, you know, put more focus in relationships? Should I have had a kid? Like, should I have done these things? Because now I'm getting older, and it's like my ambition is growing now. So it's not even like slowing down. So it's like in those years where I were like kind of was kind of playing, like should I have been more serious relationship wise and pursued that more so? So I think. I don't know if it's the word right word is grieving but like those years that are lost like what 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 what's ahead of me kind of like you know what will happen ahead of me you can't get the time back. right so it's like you know but that's something i think about too and we kind of talk about it like yeah. but you know yeah because i think a lot of times now with the age thing people put so much emphasis on like I got a, I got my master's degree by 20. I got my house by 22. I got my, like, I feel like we put so much on, like, age. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know if they did that back in the day. But now it's just like, you know, let's celebrate 30 under 30 or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just like, what about us? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so sometimes I think now it's like at the at the forefront of everything is, like, young. Everything is, you know, mm-hmm. what you're doing. young is relative. You know right. what I'm saying? Because somebody 60 be like, Psh, right. Yeah, right, 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 right. They want that back, right? You know, and it's like it, it just depends on where you are on the journey, and it's it's deep though. Mm-hmm. But you're right, like it's like the more the youthful, and people think you're supposed to have everything at 25. Well, I thought I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was, and then and then also I think it's a thing, and I don't know if it's just kind of like everybody just kind of come on the same wave but it's like as soon as somebody hit 30 it's like oh my back and my knees like, <laughs> right is it a myth or am I making this up but it seemed like you know so yes again it's relative it's definitely relative because I'm yeah. still young even though I call myself old we all young <laughs> right Sarah you always call me young because I'm older than you but I just feel like you know I'm 34 Cherry so like I feel like you know sometimes that I should be at a certain place and so I guess you I agree there, with that. You getting there. Okay. You getting there. You know what I mean? Every, we all, it's like a, a process, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, I turned, when I turned 40, I was like, I think I kind of went crazy at 30. <laughs> like, I was like, I think I literally went crazy. Because I was like, yo, 40s. Like, I started like grieving 40. Mm-hmm. Grieving my 30s when I was still in my 30s. 
I was like, yo, my mom was like, you're not even 40 yet. And I was like, but I'm about to be 40. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, that's <laughs> facts. Three, that's facts. She was like, yo, in three years, like, you are bugging. <laughs> and I literally think I went a little bit like crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, because in women, you got to remember, there's extra pressure put on women. Mm -hmm. Like, and us as women, like, you're not going to have kids. Like, people be all up in your womb. Like, they don't know, like, why you don't have children. Mm -hmm. They don't know why. Like, maybe you tried. Maybe you just couldn't have children. Right. And maybe or, you don't want kids. Or maybe you don't want them. Right. That's your choice. Like, right. People be, like, all up in your womb. Like, right. You're right. Like, and especially once you get married, they be like, oh, <laughs> why you ain't pop all like this for kids? Like, be like you don't know Chill. what happened to me last week. Like, like, why are you all up in my stuff? People at work, strangers. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's, it's right. you know, ages. I was, I went a little, I went a little crazy. Like, I need not lie. Okay. You know what I mean? But I, I you know, then you hit it and you be like, you know what? This ain't so bad. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like I don't care what people think no mm -hmm. more. You know? And you still, you realize you kind of look similar, mm -hmm. close. It is a little harder though. I will say that I feel like ten years ago, the COVID nineteen would have been gone. Like mm -hmm. month and a half. I just Why you feel like? It. Oh, you, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so okay. Now it's like I be buying my like harder than Well, we got hope then. We want to thank Cherry for joining us um, for this episode of our Black and Therapy podcast. Cherry, we ask every guest to give us a feel-good song of the week. Something that just gets you started, gets your day started, something that just puts you in a good space. Well, um, there. first of all, I love the Queen Sugar playlist. Okay. Best playlist, like funk and all that and they have this song called 1949 love just because okay. i love love okay and i just love that song all right i play it like all the time 1949 love who right. you know who's black um it's on my playlist so, I'll pull it out. <laughs> so let me ask you this real quick you said you love love so are you afraid to love again or what is the how do you feel about that i'm nervous okay like Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. nervous, but I feel like it's going to happen for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I am nervous. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it. Okay, that's cool. That was good. I'm nervous, y'all. <laughs> All right, let's get ready for our next segment. Truth is. So since... <laughs> I was waiting today because like every other day, Donna be like, try and get me real quick. You hesitated. I know I did because I was like, you know, maybe I will go first. <laughs> Tell me what your truth is, Sarah. Oh, you know what my truth is? Like, honestly, Donna, I just want to celebrate. Like, I'm in this space in my life you. where I feel like I always might want to celebrate. But I just feel like May, we going to work because it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Like, we got mm -hmm. some stuff. Like, somebody asked me, they want to do a workout session with me. They want me to work out. I say, well, I, I I do my tw my hundred squats every day, but it's like. But wait, work out what? I don't. She's like, a. Workout so I met her. Let me just tell you, I met her. Um, we used to go to the joint on um Gerard, mm -hmm. twenty six thirty seven Brew. I'm probably saying the numbers wrong. Okay, but we went there for brunch right, a couple right. times. Mm -hmm. So she used to bartend in there. Mm -hmm. She has a twin sister, but now she does like you know she's evolved. Now mm -hmm. she's like this fitness instructor, and she's like, sis, let's do a workout video, and I'm like. 
okay yeah like oh, okay right so i'm gonna be doing it so i'm saying like we're gonna work this mm -hmm. month but i also want to celebrate i want to go somewhere every week like i just want to go i want to be out and it could be like little day trips little but i just want to be out i just feel like we've worked hard mm -hmm. and you know it's time to celebrate i don't mm -hmm. I, I think we celebrated to a certain extent last year because of covid but I think now, like, we can start to, like, celebrate, celebrate. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I'm looking forward to it because, like, most of my family, if not everybody's fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, like, I want to be able to have a cookout for real now yeah, with my family. Party. Turn up. Um, my dad said he's going to cook some crabs and stuff. I don't mm -hmm. know what they're planning. They're planning something, but I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. So, but even I want to, like, I want to go on a vacation this year. Like, I want to do things that we did prior to COVID, prior to my dad being sick. Mm -hmm. Um. And, you know, he got his kidney, so it's like, yeah, we don't have to worry about the dialysis situation. So, like, let's be out. Like, I right. want to just celebrate um, this month. My cousins are coming from California. So, I'm just, like, looking forward to, like, being in a happy space. We've mm -hmm. worked hard, Donna. Right. We've, we've worked hard. Mm -hmm. We've been consistent with the podcast. We were consistent with school. We've been consistent mm -hmm. with work. Like, right. we've worked. Um, and so, I'm just in a space. My truth is I just want to have a good time, mm -hmm. like, this month. Like, right. so that's my truth. That's a good one. Okay. Shout out to you for talking about <laughs> Um, so let me tell y'all real quick, right? When we was in when we was in grad school, I feel like when we would always have conversations, it was always like, Well, let me piggyback. But I'm not trying to piggyback off of because <laughs> we hated it in grad school. Like Donna really Donna was texting me like, Stop saying well, piggyback. piggyback. <laughs> let me piggyback from off what Like, no, just add to but I don't know why it. the piggyback was just right, like right. Uh, so I'm not piggybacking off of what Sarah said, but let me just tell y'all that first of all, I had a rough April. I feel like I was working ridiculously. Like we missed a couple of episodes. Of the I feel like our schedules was all off. I mean, I'm sure that nobody saw me on social media. Like I was, I was busted and disgusted out here. Like I felt like I was just grinding. Like I had a lot going on in April. Um, and I feel like May is kind of like, for me, it's like the beginning of the summer. It's Mother's Day. It's um, it's so much going on in May and in June, July, and, and all throughout the summer. I definitely feel like, again, with Sarah, I'm here for the celebrations um, and celebrating life. And for me, it's more so um, that I just know and see how short life can be mm -hmm. um, dealing with the pandemic dealing with certain things that um, I just recognize in myself and then, you know, my family and everything. Like, life is so short that we are so, like, mundane with, like, work and school sometimes that it's just, like, like, and granted, I've never really been that person. You know, I'm always, like, I'm going to go on vacation. What I'm going to right, do is right, I'm going right. to go on vacation. I'm going to get on this plane. I'm, I'm going to get on this plane, though. <laughs> like, I'm going to. But I feel like in the last year, I haven't really, like, that's so much a part of my life mm -hmm. that I feel like it hasn't been and it, and it has affected me. Mm -hmm. So... I'm getting on planes. Mm -hmm. I'm celebrating. Um, I'm trying to keep up with Sarah this month. Sarah just told me how many plans. And I'm like, oh, okay, we out here. Catch us at the honor ceremony. Catch us at Lincoln's graduation. I'm here with Sarah with the celebrations of things. Um, so, yeah, that's my truth, too. I feel like I recognize that life is short. I recognize that, um, you know, we want to celebrate things and do, do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like, no walls in, in your career. No walls in, like, have a good Dr. time. Dr. Lolly. And, and I don't and have back to, to what we talked about with Cherry. Right, exactly. Right. And I don't have to have um uh I don't have to reward myself. Mm -hmm. Like I don't it don't have to be like I got through the week so let me buy myself this. I got through the week so let me do this. No, it's Tuesday and I only got through Monday and Tuesday, but it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a reward for yourself right. for doing things. 
And I think that goes back again, not to keep referencing, cause, but Cherry's on the episode, so right. don't matter. <laughs> but like when she was like, well, I got to find something to celebrate. And it's like, you don't. You don't got, like you woke up this morning. Right. Cheers. Like, because right. one thing me and Diamond going to do, celebrate. Click, click. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we want to celebrate. So it, I think that, so, and, and when we think about seeking out joy and seeking out peace and love and like, this is a part of it. Like, mm-hmm. seeking out moments to celebrate. Like, life. Not even yourself. Like, to your point. Like, you don't have to do nothing right. to celebrate. Right. The fact that you were able to open your eyes. Funny thing is, this morning, Zion was like, on his video game, I'm like, did you even thank God yet? And so, I had, I thought he was going to be like, alright, God, thank you. This little boy <laughs> went in, like, on his prayer. I had to pause my music, like. Okay. But he was so grateful. He was like, I'm, thank you for letting me see my grandparents. Thank you for mm-hmm. letting me see my mom and my aunt today. Like, so, like, that's the reason to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that you can see your son, the fact that right. I, you know what I mean? We have life. We got gas in our cars. Like, it's, right. you can find a reason to be happy. Period. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that's our truth. Yes. All right. Let's get ready for our last segment. Two-minute sessions. Go ahead with the question, Donna. Wait, I forgot that quick. Ooh. And that, ooh. <laughs> you, the question that you said to me that somebody asked oh, you I was, did, I what, did say that. what I'm do sorry. you... What? I definitely just... It's sorry, okay. Y'all. She here in a moment. Mm-hmm. She ain't take her um, so, memory pills today. <laughs> whatever you were saying. <laughs> so, um, a question was, um, what should I talk to my therapist about? Mm-hmm. So, I'm thinking like, what shouldn't you talk to right. your therapist about? What, what you what you saying? To I told my therapist everything, like, mm-hmm. but it takes a moment to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point when I tried to lie or like try to withhold information from mm-hmm. my therapist, and like she pulled it right out of me. Um, and I even told my therapist some stuff sometime one time, and she like had the mom look on her face real quick, mm-hmm. like she went to like mom or like big sister mode, and I was right. like, oh, did I share too? Like in my head, right. like did I share too much? Uh-huh. But um you tell your therapist as much as you feel comfortable with telling your therapist Mm -hmm. and as you guys build that relationship and that um common ground Mm -hmm. um i'm sure i'm not using the correct term but therapeutic alliance Mm -hmm. um you 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 know you'll be able or or feel more safe to share more things Mm -hmm. but i think that when we think about getting help the more you share the more we can help you with Right. right right so i had a client i had a new client the other day and I kind of know a little bit because she was a kid, mm-hmm. the background of the situation, but I wanted her to tell me, but I did mm-hmm. also didn't know what her, her mom, her mom just told her she was having a surprise. So she didn't tell her that she was having therapy. Like, mm-hmm. so wow. the little girl didn't know nothing about it. I would be mad if somebody said I was having a too. surprise and it was a therapist like, you ain't a um, surprise. So I didn't know what to touch on and what mm-hmm. not to touch on because I didn't know what, you know, what was shared and what was mm-hmm. not shared. Um, So like more than halfway through the session, she started to really, really open up to mm-hmm. me. Um, which I thought was good because I was able to like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. start doing, you know, pinpointing my, you know, little right. stuff on the chart and what I needed to record and what I need to, needed to remember. But I think it's as, as much as you are comfortable with sharing what your therapist shared. Right. And my hope is that people will become very comfortable with their therapist so that they can share mm-hmm. more things and be more um, transparent so that they can get the help that they need. Right. For sure. Um, and for me, I would say to be just more specific when I think about like my clients, like, it's not just like, ooh, how does that make you feel? Like, no, like, tell me about your day. Tell me about your, especially oh, yeah. when I'm I want to know everything like, about my, my clients. Especially when I'm talking to new clients. It just um, And I'm talking to them, for example, if I have a new client I'm talking to in the middle of the day, I want to know what their days look like because we just talking at, you know, 
1 p.m. Like, you right. know, I want to know what your days look like. Like, talk to your therapist about about your life so they can get they can get to know you mm-hmm. and just like because it's more about it's more than you know an event or an episode or a, a re- the main reason why you may be seeking treatment because you know you can be tr- seeking treatment for your whole entire life mm-hmm. or it can just be like a specific episode and people think that you got to stick to that like no tell them about you know your days because those are the things that we have to connect we have right. to connect the dots, the dots to right what your days look like what you're doing um you know did you smoke in today you right. drink alcohol like and that's so that's what i ate what you eat today right. like how does your head like we all those things is a part what are you of feeling right now treatment right therapy it's not just how you're feeling or an event or episode i need to know what your days look like i need to know who you around i need to know your relationship with people mm-hmm. um what you eat how healthy you eat all those different things i think that i contribute to i it. start every session off like you know how was your week mm-hmm or tell me what's happened since the last time I talked to you. Right. Like so that gives them the 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 space to share whatever they feel right. comfortable sharing, but also to let me know about their life. Like mm-hmm. where I'm just not asking you to your point about a specific event or situation. I want to know everything right. as much as you can share with me about the last mm-hmm. what's happened in your life between today and the last time we talked. Right. And you're gonna get this is the thing. You can ask about a specific event, but once you ask somebody about their week. You got 20 events right there. You right. like, oh, geez. But then guess what happens when you share them 20 events? I'm connecting dots. Right, exactly. You know that what I mean? That you probably didn't connect. That because, you can't connect. Or that you didn't talk. Because just think, at the end of the week, we don't have a person that we can just dump to. Right. When I tell you, I don't even, like, you know, eventually you're not even going to have to ask. They just going like, hey, Miss Donna, Miss blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Because... I mean, sometimes you can talk to somebody about your week or whatever, but generally people not running down your week like, oh, Monday this happened and this happened and I felt it. People not, at least, none of my friends, don't, listen, if you're my friend, don't call I, me well, and I tell think me about we talk every do. day, so like, we know, we <laughs> right. know what's going on. But don't call me. And run down a whole week. Not a whole week. Not a week. I probably do that to my best friend, but because we don't talk every day. Mm-hmm. So I need to know, like. But not in the way that therapists do. I right, think right, this, right. You know, it's, it's a different type of thing, but. Clients, when they want to, they really want to talk. You know, mm-hmm. they're talking about every little aspect. So, tell them everything, sis. Tell them, tell tell them, them everything all, you need everything. to. Right. All right, y'all. So, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Black and Therapy. Y'all know y'all can catch us on every platform um, that's out there. Um, we want to thank Cherry, Greg, again, just first of all, for being my friend. Like, Cherry is a good friend. Um, even when we were interviewed by, when we interviewed the commissioner, mm-hmm. Cherry re-interviewed me mm-hmm. um, so that I can mention the podcast and what we did with the commissioner. And so I don't take that lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that because that's opening and broadening, broadening our um, audience range. Right. So I really appreciate it for that. I appreciate it for coming and waiting for us today because we was a little late starting. <laughs> um, but I really thank her for being a friend. So tune in. We thank y'all. Have a dope week on purpose. See y'all. Thank you for the see y'all because you always say that. Like you don't want to say it. Yeah, I know.